Thank you, Sam. I, I knew it was coming, and, and thank you so much. They are, they are beautiful little girls, but that's because of Nidia. That's not because of me. I, I realize that, okay? Yeah, I got that. Gosh, you know, it's so great to be here. Uh, I told Chris last night, um, I'm just getting to know some of the pastors that, are, that have come this week and, and the missionaries, and I uh, want to spend more time with you because what I get just in the prayer meeting is that you, you're a very sincere man of God. And I want to learn from you, and I want to uh, rub sh shoulders with you, uh, because that's the kind of people that I know God will use to make this, this mission possible. Uh, it's men like, like you that are here, and believers like yourself. Um, when I told a few people, uh, not from our, our ministry in Columbia, but others, about the conference and the dates of this conference, and I know Mark mentioned something about the, this this morning. Uh, they said, what, Paul, they're, they're actually going to have a conference the 28th of uh, December through the 1st of January? No one does that. And, uh, and no one does that other than yourselves because no one would show up in most churches. And, and so that tells me where your heart is. That, t that tells me where your heart is. You know, I've been brought up with missions. Uh, my father, Clifford Clark, uh, loved missions. He lived for missions, and he pastored a church that was a very missionary-minded church. In fact, there were over 100 families sent out of that church uh, throughout the years going to the mission field. And so I was raised in that environment as a child and as a teenager. And later on in my life, I, I worked on staff with the youth in that church. And and so um, I'm, I'm accustomed to this. Our people in Tulsa years ago, they took their vacation time that week, the week of the missions conference, to be in the morning sessions and to be in the evening sessions. And my father always said to the congregation, he always said, now there's only, only one uh, just excuse for you not attending to the members of the church. That's death. If, if you're dead, we don't expect you to come. But, but other than that, we do expect you to come. And, uh, and, and man, myself as, as a child, as a teenager, observing that commitment, and, and think of it, uh, that's what uh, God has, has, has reproduced in the country of Columbia. Sam was there, uh, Kenny's been there, uh, uh, there's so many uh, that Troy's been there. Uh, so many other guys that have come and, and, and God has used them, but you've seen what, what God has done, you know, in that country, in that special week when everyone puts everything else aside and they focus upon the mission, the Great Commission. And, um, and so I, I'm so thrilled to be here because this proves that your heart is in the right place. Uh, you're seeing what God sees and he has seen the nations and that's really what we're talking about uh, this week. But thank you, Sam, so much for your invitation, uh, your kindness, your generosity. You know how to treat people. You guys do. And, uh, and that's something that is being reproduced out from this church. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And uh, I want to thank you uh, once again for the opportunity. I know that many people uh, are, are working to, to make this thing happen. But in, you know, in the end, someone has to make the decision to do this. And there has to be that, that individual that God, this, God places this on their heart. And that's been Sam, and I thank God for him. Um, I did mention to you last night uh, something about what we lived as missionaries when we first set out. Uh, we were on deputation. 
And, uh, you know, I, there, I'm going to share something else with you that happened. Um, in fact, with our, our kids, um, uh, Jennifer and Emily, they attend Mint out here and um, are serving here in the church. And, and when we started deputation, them and Jeremy, our son, he was here last night, but he had to go back to Springfield uh, this morning. But when we traveled and went from church to church, we were racing our support to go to Columbia. We didn't want uh, to arrive to Columbia, uh, you know, receiving funds from the Columbia people. Um, we wanted the churches, we wanted to raise our support here st on this state side. And so that's what we did, and that's what most missionaries did at that time. So basically, you know, we're going from church to church, presenting ourselves. And uh, one thing that we did as a family that God really used was uh, we sang together as a family. Of course, Jeremy was three. Um, I think Jennifer was about seven, Emily six. And, uh, and so there was one song that we, we sang occasionally uh, in, in different churches. And, and uh, uh, Blessing After Blessing was the name of the song. And in those days, a lot of times we would sing with uh, soundtracks. You don't do that anymore, thank God. Uh, but, but that's what we did. Uh, and so we would have, I had all this sound equipment and I had everything set up to where I could run it from up, up here. And so, and, you know, I put the song on blessing after blessing. In the very middle of that song, there was an interlude where the kids literally walked down off the stage. Now they're up here beside, you know, my wife and I, and with their microphones, they would put their microphone up and they'd walk out to the congregation and they would begin to shake hands with the people that were sitting there. Well, what happened, what I didn't expect, was that people began to give them money. <laughs> people began to give them money. So they were coming back with dollars in their pockets, okay? So after doing this a few times, not every service, but a few services, they came to me and they, I think they, they, they talked about it among themselves. They came to me and they said, Dad, can we do that money song again? Like, could we maybe do this every time that we're in a church? And I thought about it. And I said, you know, I think we can. but I want 50%. <laughs> Another story that goes along with this one, you know, sometimes kids at a younger age, they say anything. And, and so after we were done with the service, I had preached that night and they collected the offering and, and Emily's at the very back of the service, at the end of the service, and, and she goes into the room where the ushers were counting the offering and she just mentioned to them, she said, you know, they normally give that to us. <laughs> that church never did take us on. <laughs> Thank you, Emily. Appreciate that, Emily. Oh, by the way, Jennifer was the blonde singing, not the other one. Um, she married the other girl that was up here singing. She is married. Okay. She's married. Yeah. Jennifer's not. <laughs> and um, I just wanted to mention that she is available.
Eliseo, you're, you're around. Uh, yes, he arrived. Eliseo, how old are you, Eliseo? How old are you? No, I need to know, man. You're, are you really? It's perfect. No, but what, what I was going to say is, you know, what, you know, I, the, the, the guy needs to be saved, obviously. He needs to be saved. The, the, the guy, he, he needs to love the Lord, and he ha needs to have some dough. So that pretty much eliminates you. <laughs> Just teasing. He's got a good job. Hey, we're going to go back to the scriptures, Acts chapter 1. And I know that there were some that weren't with us last night. I just want to, to go through. I don't know where we're at in the... We need to be at number two. The power, I think we're there. Are we there? There we go. Just let me... share a little bit of what we saw last night. We're talking about going from Jerusalem, our Jerusalem, to the end of the world. And in the beginning, we spoke of those two vital questions that all of us as believers have to ask ourselves. And in every congregation and every church leadership, we need to ask these important questions. And it has to do with where are we going with what we're doing? What do we want to accomplish here? What is the re real reason for our existence as a body of believers? And uh, we responded to that by saying it's the nations. Anyone that does a good study of the book of Acts and even, um, you know, studies what Christ gives us at the end of each gospel, the Great Commission, uh, it's very clear as to where God's going, where He wants us to be going, and that's to the nations to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to all the nations of the world, those nations being the more than 17,000 ethnic groups that are in the world today. And we asked the second question, how are we going to get there? And our response, based upon what we see in the book of Acts, what we see in, in the gospels, in fact, uh, how Christ ministered, preparing the apostles to, um, to be that... Um, those, those example, that model believer, those that would start that first church in Jerusalem, build the lives of those first believers, uh, and extend the gospel out from there, um, uh, we, we, we see that the answer is to inject the Word of God in the lives of those believers. That's how we'll get to the nations. We'll never get to the nations in any other manner. It has to be the Word of God, um, building the lives of the believers, lifting up their eyes, conforming their lives to the, the, to the Lord Jesus Christ, lifting up their eyes to see what he's seen with that 2020 spiritual vision focused upon the nation, living for that reason, that being the purpose of their life. Well, that is how we responded. And what we began to see last night was the first part in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, how Christ began his ministry. And he began by showing the apostles how to minister. This was part of their preparation. 
the preparation that they needed to have to continue on with the ministry that he started and to continue on with that ministry after his ascension. And so he prepared them and he showed them how to minister and he taught them by life example that ministry involves two things. That is doing and teaching, doing and teaching. That ministry basically is, is very simple. Uh, it's not necessarily easy, but it is simple. Sometimes we complicate it, but in essence, if we study the scriptures, the, the ministry is, is very simple. It's getting the Word of God in our lives. It's living the Word of God so that God can use us to affect the lives of other, and we, others. And we, we also talked about that both are necessary, especially that first part. Really, you can't do one or the other. You have to have both. You can't just do one. Uh, in order to do the teaching, we have, to, we have to live the Word of God. That gives us the authority to teach. And, and, and we can't just have the teaching, um, the Word of God. We, 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 we have, to, we have to, to, to live the Word of God. We have to, to, to show Christ with our life. The two go hand in hand, and that's really what Christ did. And he had that great impact in the lives of others by doing these two things. But as he did those two things, the apostles were observing uh, his life and learning how to minister. Well, we secondly saw that he taught them. He didn't just show them how to minister. He taught them, preparing them for the future ministry that he had for them. And he chose a few men, just 12, the apostles. He was with the multitudes at many times, but he invested the majority of his time, he invested his life in these 12 men, knowing that the future ministry depended upon their lives. And so he instructed them. He gave them the commandments. He taught them all that they needed to know to live their new life in him. They taught them all they needed to know in order to fulfill with the mission, the great commission that he was going to give them, in fact, in verse 8. Well, then we also saw last night that he focused them, focused them concerning two things. Uh, first of all, their message. Their message had to be right. He made sure that they knew that he had resurrected from the dead. He was alive and that they were witnesses of that fact. And, and that's what they were going to be preaching, Christ crucified and Christ resurrected. And he also focused them on the, the ministry, the mission, I should say, the mission. Um, explaining them, spending 40 days speaking to them of the kingdom of God, making sure that they were focused on the kingdom of God, that they were not the mission. It wasn't about them, but it was about others. It wasn't about, at that time, the kingdom to Israel, but it was about winning Jews and Gentiles. Uh, you know, it was about winning them uh, for him, for the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's basically what we saw. Tonight, we are seeing the power. And that's in verse 8, the very first part of verse 8. And let's read it there. It says, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we do thank you for what you have for us tonight. Lord, I thank you for each one that you've brought here. Uh, Lord, we know that you've brought each one of us here because you love us. And by your grace, you uh, 
have saved us, uh, most of us, Lord, and maybe all, uh, know Christ as personal Savior. And we're understanding, Lord, as we are, are meeting with you in the morning sessions and in the evening, why you saved us. What is the reason why that you, by your grace, saved us from our sin and made us a new creature and are transforming our life, conforming our life to, to your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ? We're understanding that all of that work that you're doing in us, in, in us is for others is to be used by you so that others can know you. And Lord, help us to, to grasp this. Help us to understand tonight that you have given us the power to get to the nations. And Lord, I just pray that you will work in our hearts to help us, Lord, to die to ourselves, even tonight as we preach this message. And Lord, as we listen to this message, to die to ourselves so that you can do that mighty work in us through your power. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We see in the very first part of verse 8, the power of the Holy Spirit promised to these 12 men. And, and, and the, the Bible says in the very first part, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And of course, we know that this is a power of the Holy Spirit. Notice in verse 4, he's already talked about this to them. In verse 4, he says, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, Ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And he's already mentioned to them that they would be immersed, they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And in fact, we know that that's what he also had said to them, this author, Luke. Uh, we find this same thing in Luke chapter 24 and verse 49, where it says, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued, that is, clothed with the power from on high. It's the same idea, clothed, immersed in the Holy Spirit. Now this power is from the Holy Spirit, and it's a supernatural power that does the supernatural. Uh, the Greek word, many of you students of the Word of God know this, is duminous. And it means might, it means strength, it speaks of ability, it speaks of that power to perform miracles. Uh, we get our word dynamite from this power, so it's a supernatural power to do the supernatural. Uh, it does what the flesh can't do. Now this is the power that, that the people saw in Jesus Christ during his ministry. And Peter speaks of this in Acts chapter 2 and verse 22, if you'll turn there with me. As Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost, he says, Ye men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. The miracles, the word miracles is dun dunamis, the same Greek word that we see in Acts chapter 1 
and verse 8. It's the same power that was manifested in the life of Jesus Christ. In fact, it's the same power that saves. We see this, um, if it will work for me. We, there we go. We see this in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I'm not ashamed of the, the gospel of Christ, for it is the power, the dunamis, the same Greek word that is used there. It's the power that saves. This was the power that Christ had promised to his disciples. And by the way, it's the same power for all believers. The ye. Notice what it says in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, where it says, but ye shall receive power. That includes every disciple. That includes the 12 apostles. It includes the 120 disciples at that time. It includes you and I. It was given to those first disciples in Acts chapter 2. Um, you know the text, most of you, where it speaks of, of uh, the Holy Spirit coming upon them and feeling, filling them. And, and, and we find there that uh, that power was manifested through them speaking in tongues. And those tongues uh, have to do with languages. They began to speak of the marvelous works of God in languages that they had never spoken before, that they did not know. That was the miracle that was manifested as a result of them receiving this power. We also see in Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 3 and verse 12, if you'll turn there with me, uh, we see that, that here is, is Peter explaining to, to the men, uh, to the people, uh, about the healing of the lame man. And uh, notice what he says, and, and when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? At this miracle that has happened in, in this, last, this man's life. Or why look ye so earnestly on us as though your own, by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? Speaking of that man that was born uh, crippled, uh, he was lame uh, for 40 years, and, and uh, Peter and John at the temple, he, he, they healed this, this lame man, and he began to walk, and, and he began to, in, in fact, uh, jump up and down and, and, and praise God for the miracle that had been done in his life. But the men of Israel, they observed this, and, and they thought that it was a power that came from these two men. And Peter is, is real quick to make sure they know that this is the dunamis power. This is this supernatural power that, that did this miracle in the life of this individual. We find that the, the apostles, the 12 apostles, they had this power. And it was manifested in a supernatural way because this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12, it says to us, Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience, in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. There again, mighty deeds, the word dunamis. So we see how the first disciples, these 12 apostles received this power and it was manifested in a supernatural way. Now what I want us to understand in the beginning tonight is that we have received this same power. It was manifested differently during this certain time uh, in the scriptures, in the apostolic time, we, we know that God used the signs and the wonders 
uh, it was a sign to the Jews to confirm that the Messiah had come. And, and they were doing these kinds of miracles, raising the dead. They were, they were, they were healing the sick and, and, and casting out the demons and so on and so on. That is not how it is manifested today, this supernatural power that you and I have received. It's not even necessary. What, what, th this power today, the supernatural power, the dunamis that you and I have received is focused now on the salvation of mankind, men and women, teenagers and children, doing the greatest miracle of all, transforming the lives of individuals and entire nations. That's the supernatural power. That's how it's manifested in our lives today. Now, I'm witness to this as a missionary, as a missionary to Colombia, South America. We've been there now for 35 years. 32 years ago, we started the, the ministry, the Bible says, of Colombia. But I'm a witness to this supernatural power. And I say this because, you know, God, at the age of 32, called, called me to go to Colombia to start a church, uh, to start a church, a not any kind of church, a church that would be a missionary church, a church that through that ministry would uh, extend the gospel to the nations of the world. I knew that from my childhood. I knew that that was God's plan. And, and, and he sent, sent me to a country, the, the country of Colombia, South America, that was known for drug mafia, for drug trafficking, for guerrilla groups, for kidnapping, uh, for violence. Uh, Colombia, more than 50 years in a civil war, also religiously a country that was so Catholic, the third most Catholic country of the world. And God says to me, Paul, I, I want you to go with your family to the country of Colombia and start a church. And my response was in the beginning, but Lord, I, I can't do, I, do that. I have never even started a church. I've not started a church in the States. I don't even really know how to do that. Besides that, Lord, I can't speak their language. And you do understand, Lord, what Colombia's like. They don't really recommend anyone to travel there. And we've got three little kids, and you want us to go there to be missionaries. I can't do that. And through the scriptures, and me spending time in prayer with him, when I knew that he had called us there, he said, Paul, you know what? That's what qualifies you. Now I can do it through you, because you're right. You can't. You can't. You know, I want to show you in Ephesians chapter 3, a passage that God, he's used many times in my life, and I, I, I only praise him and thank him for all he's done in that country throughout these last 32 years. But I want to show you something that, that Paul speaks of. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16, where Paul says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might, dunamis, by his spirit in the inner man. And notice in verse 20, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the dunamis that worketh in us. Man, in the beginning, I was just saying, Lord, help me to learn a little Spanish. 
I, I was saying, Lord, help me to, hey, get me, how do I start a church? How do I go about this? This is a very Catholic country. This is a, this is a complex situation. How are we going to go about getting the gospel out to the Colombian people? What do you want us to do? Can you help us, Lord, just in the beginning stage to know how to, to start a church? That's what I was asking of him. And then Paul says in verse 20, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. But how? According to the power that worketh in us. Started with one family. Now thousands of Colombians saved by his grace. And they're going to the nations. Their hearts, that's where their heart is. God has done exceeding abundantly more than I asked for in the beginning. I never dreamed. I never dreamed. What am I saying? You know, the Lord may have a nation for you. Some of the international students, perhaps you came to the States thinking, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to go to the States to get some education. And you got Christ. My education is not bad, but you got the best. You got the best. And it is not a coincidence that this church, Midtown, has taken you in and shared the gospel with you. Because in their heart as a church are the nations of the world. You. And maybe in some cases, God wants you to go back to your people, to your nation. And you say, I can't. And that's when God says, now I can through you. Maybe you're not an international student. The same is true in your life. You say, I can't. I talked to, I think, Dave. And he said, Paul, I, I don't, man, this is, I don't know. We got three, our daughters, they're, they're teenagers and going to hungry. <coughs> hungry. It's going to be tough. This is a hard change for them. And we, we, we shared some of our, you know, our, our fears. I shared some of my, my fears in the beginning of, of when God called us and, and what I'm sharing with you. And he shared some of and, and you know what God is saying to us? Hey, tranquilo. Hey, calmness. Don't worry about it. I can. I'll do it through you. That's why I've given you my power. The other day I was reading in Re Revelation and I noticed something in, in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 8. In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 8, where Christ says, speaking of the Philadelphian church, he says, I know thy works, behold, I, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it, for thou hast a little, hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. The three characteristics of what really is a true model church. This is a true missionary church. It's a church that, that obeys the word of God. 
He keeps the word of God. They keep the word of God. What we saw last night, observing, it's a church that doesn't deny his name. It evangelizes the world. And it's, church, it's a church that can't. It has little strength. One of the requisites, requirements, I guess is the word, not thinking of Spanish. One of the requirements for God to use us to have little strength or zero strength. That's when he can. Well, the power is given to fulfill a, a specific mission. That's what Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 teaches us. The context of verse 8 is missionary. This dunamis power, this spiritual dynamite, if you please, that God has given to us through His Holy Spirit, hey, this is to fulfill a specific mission. And this is the Great Commission. It's to get to the nation. It's to get the gospel to the utter, uttermost. That's the context. And, and, and the, 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 the apostles, that's exactly what they did. Notice what it says in Acts chapter 4 and verse 33. They understood why the power had been given to them because it says, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and great grace was upon them all. They understood why they had received the power. And this is so important because, you know, we, we were not the mission. And I, I talked about this last night and I don't want to be mean and, and I want, want us to understand that we are important for God, and, and when we come to church, this is important. But our tendency as believers is to live our Christianity here and do this, do our thing here. When God is always pointing us out to those that are beyond the walls of our facilities. That's what, that's what we see in the scriptures. And, and, and so, our, our, we aren't the mission, others are. Sometimes we hear in our churches when we speak of the subject of the Holy Spirit in our lives, uh, you know, we, we, they communicate to their congregations that, that they've received the power to be okay and even be a good Christian. We have the Holy Spirit that, that teaches us the Word of God, and that is true. And we have the Holy Spirit to console us in difficult times, and that is true, and thank God for that. We have the Holy Spirit to guide us as we make decisions in our life. And we have the Holy Spirit to be convicted of Him so, so we'll stay out of, of sin. We have that and we thank God for that. But we need to understand that the focus that God, God gives us in His Word concerning the Holy Spirit is others. And all of the work that God does in our lives through the Holy Spirit in the end is for others. It's for us to be a light for Jesus Christ so we can be effective witnesses of Him, of His death, burial, and resurrection. What has already happened to us in our hearts. We're not the mission. We are the messenger to get the mission done. Sometimes our Christianity is so self-centered. It's all about us. And that stalls out and strangles the Great Commission. And that's sad. The mission is possible. The mission is, is not just the Great Commission. It's also possible. It is possible. You know, you, you think of the 120 disciples that, that were there in Acts chapter 1 and 
And, and here they're receiving this tremendous challenge, getting the gospel to the ends of, of the, the earth, the uttermost. And, and I'm sure that, you know, uh, they had to see that as mission impossible. I mean, 120 against a hostile world. But remember what Christ had said to them in, in verse 4, Acts chapter 1 and verse 4. And it's, he says, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait. Wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. And we know that that promise precisely was the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. Wait. Wait. Don't try to do this in your flesh. Don't try to do this with your ability, in your power, in your might. Don't try it. Wait. The power's coming. And with that power, this mission is possible. This is really important because think about it. Christ investing his, his life in these men, preparing them. But even that instruction, him showing them and teaching them, that wasn't enough. They lacked the most important thing, and that was the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God in their lives. And that is important for us to take note of because sometimes we depend upon our instruction. We, we, we think that if we're instructed, then we'll be successful, and we, we, we put aside the most important part. The most important part is to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, these men, they understood. They understood that this divine mission that they were receiving demanded that they fulfill that divine mission with a divine power. And within 200 years, they impacted the world for Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, this is no new truth. We know the text well. Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6 where... It says, then he answered and spake unto to me, saying, this is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. By might, uh, that's speaking of their strength, their ability, nor by power in the Spanish language, it uses the word ejército, which means army, that's the multitude uh, of, of, of men coming together in their power, accomplishing the task. And, and God is saying to, to Zerubbabel, hey, the, re, the reconstruction of the temples is not going to happen. It's not to be done by your might, by a multitude of men, by their power, but it's to be done in the power of the Spirit. It's not a new truth. The Lord's work is to be done by Him in His power. That's why it's referred to as the Lord's work. You know, there is dangers with discipleship. There is dangers as we equip our people for ministry. And one of those dangers is that we become so knowledgeable and we become so equipped that we begin to do God's work for Him. 
And that's where the human inter intervention begins and, and, and our ideas and our strategies and our programs and, and plans. Now, some of this is just pure pride. And really, we think sometimes, at least the way we act, that we know better. Sometimes it's just pride. We want to stand out. I know how to do this. And so we go through the discipleship process. We go through the institute, and now we're professionals. Now we know. We got this down. Some, sometimes it's with very good intentions we began to. But none of that will last, and none of that will get us to the nations. God gave us this power for a specific mission, and that mission is to get to the uttermost, and the only way you can get to the uttermost is by living in the power of the Holy Spirit and ministering in that manner. There is no other way. It is very, very simple. Remember the Laodicean church. Remember that? Remember what the Bible teaches about that church? Self-sufficient, got it all under control, and they've got Jesus Christ on the outside of the church knocking on the door trying to get in. That's Acts chapter 3, three and verse 20. I know some churches that are living that today. Years ago, doing really well. Humble, dependent upon His power. Now the, now the Lord Jesus Christ is on the outside knocking, saying, hey, if you'll open the door, I'd like to commune with you and give you that power once again. May God not allow us to become proudful and through our discipleship process and our training experience end up being experts. You know, the mission is possible, but not in the flesh. In his power, it is possible. You know, if I didn't believe that, I would, I would come home from Columbia tomorrow. I mean, why would I, why would I commit my life to a mission that can't be accomplished? <laughs> I wouldn't even be here this week. doesn't make sense. Why would Christ ask us to do something that we can't do? But it's the contrary. He's saying to us in verse 8, hey, I'm giving you the power to get all the way to the nations, uh, to the nations of the world, to the uttermost, the furthest point on earth, the furthest point from you. You have the power to do that. And by the way, this applies to every single local church. This is for every disciple. This is for every congregation. This isn't just for the Bible says in Columbia. You say, well, we're small. We started out with one family. <laughs> we all start out small, okay? This, this commission was given to all of us. And the same power has been given to all of us to get to the uttermost. I don't care if you're living in a small town. That's the commission that God has given to you also. And you have the same power to make that happen. Don't forget that. You're not insignificant. Live it out. Let God do it. Well, here, here's the important part. This power fulfills the, fulfills the mission when it controls our lives. Every believer receives this power to participate in the mission. Every single believer. That's why it was given to each one of us. There are no spectators in this. It doesn't make any difference if you're a, a missionary 
abroad, a pastor here, a church leader here. We all have the same mission. And by the way, what we spoke of last night, that's what we're all to be doing. That makes us missionaries. That's how we fulfill the mission. We just live the book, and then we speak the book. We teach why we live that way. That can be done anywhere, and that is to be done everywhere. All disciples are involved. The ye includes every single saved individual, not just the apostles, not just the leadership of our churches. The believers in, in the, the church in Jerusalem understood this. And in Acts chapter 2 and verse 47, no, notice what it says. It says, praising God, Acts 2 verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Now, we know that that favor had to do with the grace of God being manifested in and through the lives of these believers in the church of Jerusalem. And as a result of that grace of God being manifested through their lives, them living the Word of God, doing and teaching, the Bible says that the Lord added to the church daily as should be saved. That daily adding was a result of their Christian witness, day by day. This wasn't something that was done just by the apostles, the leadership of the church. This was the church witnessing of him. We see also in Acts chapter 6 and verse 7, Acts chapter 6 and verse 7, where the scripture says, and the word of God increased, this is in Jerusalem, and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Notice that it speaks to us how the word of God increased. That was because the leadership of the church, the apostles, they made the decision to persist, to be faithful in the ministry of, of prayer and the word of God. And, and so as a result, what happened? The word of God increased in their lives. And the result of that was... Disciples were multiplied. They were reproducing themselves. There, there were more and more disciples, people coming to the Lord Jesus Christ, becoming a disciple of him as a result of their personal witness. That was a result of each believer living Christ and sharing Christ. And then we find in Acts chapter 8 and verse 1, notice what it says. And Saul was consenting unto his death, and at, the same at that time... There was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the region, regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. It wasn't the leadership that was spread abroad. Notice what they did, those that were spread abroad. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Who were these people? They were the believers of the church of Jerusalem, scattered out. We'll see tomorrow that churches sprung up as a result of their Christian witness. They were the ones that started the churches. That was the result of their witness were churches being formed. One Sunday, when I'm not traveling in Colombia, we attend the, the church in Bogota. That was the first church that was started. That's what we refer to as the mother church, all the other churches. We have daughter churches throughout the country granddaughter churches, now churches being formed in other countries, but 
One Sunday in Bogota, Rudy, the senior pastor, Colombian guy, he was here three years ago with me. He asked a question. He said, how many of you are here as a result of the Christian witness of another member of this church? And really the question had to do with them actually being saved outside the walls of that facility. And I was amazed as I saw at least 80% of the congregation raise their hand. And this is a result of what Brett mentioned this morning. We're talking about Christians that consider themselves first of all a Christian and then secondly, whatever they are, whether that's a brain surgeon, um, as the case is one of the believers there, the colonel, the colonel in the military that is a member of the church that understands that First of all, he's a Christian, and I think he has something like, I don't know how many thousands of men under his authority that he has influence over. Secondly, he's, he's a colonel. The taxi driver, first of all, is a Christian, and secondly, he's a taxi driver. His true vocation is being a Christian. It's being a witness of Jesus Christ. And he drives a taxi so they can pay for his rent, for his house, for his food, for the clothing, whatever the needs may be. Whenever we get that, wow, there is no limit as to what can do, what God can do. I received a questionnaire uh, again the other day, Sam. Uh, it's, it's amazing what missionaries, what we go through. Some of this we, we share, some of it we don't. But... I'll share this one. But we get questionnaires. Every time there's a change of a church, a pastor in, in a church, we get a questionnaire. Because the previous pastor didn't do it right. This guy's going to do it right. So now we got new questions, new rules. It's really fun. It's interesting. And one of the questions was, how many people were saved, Paul, in your ministry last year? And what they do, it's not, it's not bad. I'm sure the intention is great. They want to give a report on all, you know, the missionaries that they, they're supporting in this church, and, and, and they want to publicize that at their missions conference. That's cool. But my response was, and I wasn't trying to be mean. I was being honest. I said, I can't give you that figure. He wrote back, and he said, I need that figure. I want the number. And I said, Pastor, I can't. And I don't, I don't mean to be braggadocious. This is just what God's doing here. People are coming to Christ daily. Every day. All throughout the country of Colombia and other countries. Now, I can't keep track. Well, we, we dropped that. We, we got dropped for that. But anyway, <laughs> you know, I... I I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm thinking, wow. Help. I guess when you can count, you're in trouble. <laughs> you know, if the totality of your evangelism takes place in the, the walls of your facility, you could probably count that. 
But I don't think that's the idea, nor is that the model that we're seeing in the book of Acts. It was daily. And that was happening because the believer, the believers of that congregation understood why they were saved, and that they had been empowered to accomplish that mission and how God used them. You know what? Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 11 and 12. It speaks of the leadership of our church and what the responsibility is. And it says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, I know we got a lot of theologians here and you can help me with this one. But what I understand there is the leadership of the church, God has placed the leadership of every church to perfect the saints, not to please them, not, not to please them. Some are trying to please today. And there's a competition among the churches as who can please the members the most. And that's where the people go to, wherever they're pleasing the most. We have decided with your church of fellowships, that's what I'm getting. And we've decided in Columbia, we're not there to please. Now, we're going to be mean, but we're there to perfect. We're, we're, you know, we're there to fill the chairs up with soldiers, good soldiers to Jesus Christ. We'll talk about that tomorrow. And that's not very pleasant sometimes, the perfecting process. But that takes a commitment on the leadership's part, and that takes a commitment on the part of the believer saying, hey, work my life, get into my life with the Word of God. I want to be perfected. You, you remember how Paul and Timothy, that relationship, and how the Apostle Paul just gave Timothy everything to the extent that he could tell the Corinthians, hey, don't worry about him coming to you because it's almost, it's like me coming to you. That's how he does the ministry. Timothy gives us a tremendous example there of allowing someone to get in his life and perfect him to the extent that now we got another Apostle Paul on our hands. So it's to perfect, but for what reason? For the work of the ministry. That's the part that I need your help, theologians. I think a lot of times this is taught that, well, the work of the ministry, what's going on here? And I don't know about that. I'm sure that's part of it. But really, the only ministry that God has given to the believers specifically, we find in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and, and that's the ministry of reconciliation. And that has to do with out there. The edifying of the body has to do with what happens here. That's what we do so we can get out there. Once again, sometimes we're so focused on us and what's happening here. God's focused upon what's happening out there in the lives of the lost people. You see, we fulfill our ministry of reconciliation in the power of God. When we are filled with the power of God. You know, it's not normal for a believer not to bear fruit for Christ. It is not normal for a believer to attend church Sunday after Sunday coming to this facility alone. That is not normal, scripturally speaking. That's abnormal. Perhaps it becomes normal, but that's not normal for God, nor is it His plan. We have all, all of us, have been given 
the power to participate in the greatest and highest calling of all, the Great Commission. Don't miss out on it. And the very, very last thing is that every believer participates upon being filled with this power. Notice what the text says. Ye shall be witnesses unto me. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. In other words, the natural result of that power is that they would become witnesses of Jesus Christ all over the world. Notice, this isn't a command. It's a st simple statement of fact. Ye shall be witnesses. The words shall be are, are indicative. They're not imperative. Jesus wasn't recommending that they become witnesses. He is saying that they would be witnesses. He is saying, hey, you receiving the Holy Spirit, you're not going to receive him in vain. You will be witnesses of Jesus Christ all throughout the world. So being witnesses of Jesus Christ is a natural and spontaneous result of being empowered by the Holy Spirit. I love the example that we see in 1 Thessalonians in the life of Paul. This text was mentioned, at least this book was mentioned before this evening. But notice what we see in chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians, where we see in, in, the ver in verse 5 where it says, For our gospel, Paul says, came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And the result of that we, we see in, in, in verse 6. It says, And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. This was a Holy Spirit thing. So that ye were in samples, examples, to all that believe in Macedonia and Acacia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia, Achaia, but also in every place your faith to, to Godward is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. Wow. I think they were there, the apostle, Paul, I think it was there two weeks. And, and what do we have after him being there two weeks with them? We find that the believers became model believers, example believers, and their faith was extended out to that entire region. region. Everywhere that Paul went, they were talking about these people's faith. How did that happen? Verse 5 says, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance. You know, when we, when we minister, when we fulfill this mission in God's power, when we live our lives on a day-by-day -day basis, being filled with the Holy Spirit, there will be fruit, and fruit that remains. Amen. That's what the Bible teaches. That's Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Uh, this is my new car. I might as well scratch the support after this one, okay? Uh, anybody know what this car is? What is it? McLaren. McLaren. Those that are car freaks. 
this isn't my car. God would never give me this car. I love to drive rapidly, and I would kill myself in this car. My, a friend of mine bought this car, and, uh, and I, I like to buddy up with those kind of people. You know what I'm saying? And, and so he bought this car. Everywhere he goes, man, people are just, they, they, they stop, try to stop and take pictures, and it's, just, it's cool. But, you know, this car, it's got 625 horsepower. It, it, it travels. It, it, the speed, the top speed is about 225 miles an hour. And I asked my buddy, I said, hey, how fast have you gone in this? How, how, how fast have you got it up to? And he says, 75. <laughs> And I said, you wuss. You're a wuss. No way. Why did you buy it? Why would you? I think it's a half million dollars. I, don't, I think that's what it costs. Why would you do that and drive 75? Oh, by the way, I think that, yeah, there's another pair. There's those two little girls. Yeah, there's the two little girls. But you know what? That's, that's what happens in the lives of a lot of Christians. All that power and going 70. In, in fact, if I understand the scriptures correctly, you can't, it's, it's either 225 or it's zero. It's not even 70. It's, he's, he's in control. It's all the power or it's zero. It's pure flesh. But the point is, the believer that is empowered, the believer that is filled with the Holy Spirit will fulfill the Great Commission. That believer will bear, bear fruit. In fact, he has the potential to impact the nations for the world of Jesus Christ. If you don't believe that, keep in mind, we've been seeing many scriptures about the Apostle Paul. We're still talking about him. He's still impacting our lives today because he daily died to himself. And humbly went to God and said, I need your power to do this. I think it's in 2 Corinthians or 1 Corinthians chapter. I'm, I'm not, don't, don't remember right now, but it speaks of, about him fearful and trembling. And then the very next, next verse talks about him preaching in the power of the Holy Spirit, that demonstration of the power. That was the key to his success. He recognized that he couldn't, he was weak, he trembled. He needed the dunamis power, the supernatural power that did supernatural things through his life. I want that power. I have that power, but it's up to me if I'm going to allow that power to control my life day by day. I must die to myself. That's how we have to start our day. Say, Lord, fill me. Fill me with your power. Now, that's how you can go to those nations. Some of you young people, that come from other countries. God wants you to go back. And he wants you to take the gospel to your family members. In many of your cases, that's going to be tough. You, you're going to be rejected, and that's, we, we know that that's the case. But you go back in the power of God, in the, the power of the Holy Spirit to impact your family. Live the book. And when he gives you the opportunity, teach it. And God will, will use your life to impact even nations of the world. That's Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Father, we thank you for...
for what you've taught us tonight. Once again, very simple, very basic.